What's up and welcome everybody to the Bros and Consoles podcast mini-series solo gaming updates episode 39 on February 18th 2021. I am one half of your host Nathan Choquette coming to you on each and every Thursday with a regular episode of the week. Um, I know last week was a little bit of a exception to that rule but hopefully hopefully we're kind of back on track here again now. Now that everything is kind of starting to fall into place and I've got a better plan for moving forward for everything. So, yeah, like I said um, last week in the, right, I shouldn't say last week, a couple days ago in like the the half episode that came out, uh, there is going to be an updated kind of flow to the podcast and everything. And this is the first episode of that updated evolved form. So we'll kind of see how these things play out and likely they'll continue to evolve over time as well, just kind of based on how I'm feeling things are working, which things need to be kind of tweaked here and there. But hope everyone has been doing well. Um, This last week has been pretty nice in terms of kind of playing a bunch of different things and slowly kind of making my way through a bunch of different games and their trophy lists and things of old, things of new, and all things in between. But let's go ahead and start off like we will be starting every podcast nowadays with a little bit of uh, eyeball related information so real quick here um it's just kind of a reminder from the half episode last week and i might kind of have like a short blurb for this every so often going forward but basically this um, beginning section is going to talk a little bit about um, some things related to eyeball information and it sounds kind of like a weird thing i don't really know how to put that yet eyeball information and things that i think that people you know sometimes um misunderstand about eyes and kind of things related to the vision and everything there so we're gonna start this one with kind of a a little bit of a more general topic um and what that is going to be is that you know when people go to you know the eye doctor and stuff they get told that they're either like one of three things generally when it comes to just your your general vision you get either told that you are farsighted nearsighted and the very rare case of when someone doesn't need glasses at all for anything um usually when they're on the younger side and stuff is um something that people that we call being emetropic um there isn't really a you know like a a common term name for that um when you're farsighted it's hyperopic and when you are nearsighted it's myopic so there are kind of the more sciencey names um or like specific terms within you know eye care and stuff but then you know for common names we either go with farsighted or nearsighted and it kind of makes things i think a little bit easier to understand for people um but that can also kind of lead to some misunderstandings as well especially when you know people are not kind of entrenched in these like terminologies and stuff so i kind of wanted to just kind of real quickly go over that information there and hopefully kind of clear up a little bit of things there i think for most people being nearsighted is pretty easy to understand Um, basically if you're not wearing your glasses or contacts and you're trying to see something far away it's just blurry right and the degree of blurriness depends on kind of the overall strength of your prescription that you need to be able to see so i think that one kind of is is more self-explanatory it's a good um, I guess like common name, I guess being being nearsighted because people that are nearsighted can see things close up. It just kind of depends on how ho- how close they hold things, basically, um, in comparison to kind of the overall strength of their prescription. But um, the thing I want to kind of talk about was when people are far sighted. I think this gets 
confused a little bit more often. Um, people tend to take that as like, oh, you know, if people are nearsighted, I, they can see things up close fine. If people are farsighted, you can see things far away fine, and you just maybe need help up close. And it gets a little bit confusing there for people, I think, in general. So I just kind of wanted to explain the whole like idea of being farsighted or hyperopic a little bit more here, and hopefully kind of make it a little bit easier to understand overall. So basically, when people are, um, let me start off with the opposite, right? When people are nearsighted, their eyes are too strong. Um, their eyes kind of, the way that they grew over time, or possibly are still growing, which can be the case as well for prescriptions changing over time. Um, the way that their eye is kind of formed, it means that their eye is too strong, and that's why they can only see things up close, right? And far away, they need something to basically make their eyes a little bit weaker, which is kind of a, a weird thought, but that's how basically the glasses and kind of the prescription and everything works for those type of eyes. Um, for people that are farsighted though, or hyperopic, um, it's a little bit different because their eyes are technically too weak. And so therefore, when they're looking at things far away, because everyone has a natural focusing system within the eyes, they can still see things far away and usually even up close as well. But the, you know, focusing system is kind of always constantly having to work to get to be able to see things clearly and so people that are farsighted may notice things like um doing stuff up close like reading or homework things like that looking at computer screens for a long period of time all those things may cause them to have like an increased feeling of eye strain or tiredness towards the end of the day um sometimes people can even take that to be like you know, it, it, it sometimes people don't even realize that they're kind of struggling with seeing things up close. And so they, they tend to just kind of shy away from those things. People start to kind of just think like, oh, you know, I don't like reading because every time I read, it makes me sleepy. Right. And or maybe I'm, they, they start to think that like, oh, man, I'm in I'm in college. I'm doing a lot of reading and stuff. But every time I try to read through this textbook. Um, whether I find it interesting or not, I start to fall asleep and then I have to just put it down and come back to it later. And that can be, you know, a real issue with people there. And for those types of cases, usually that is kind of the case where people have been farsighted and haven't needed glasses for anything that they've kind of thought about in their life until you kind of start to really start to use that focusing system a lot more. And then they start to really notice like, hey, you know, something, something's going on here. And so the, the thing I wanted to mention with farsighted people is that, you know, while they may be able to see things far away and up close decently well, um, they do tend to need, you know, some kind of help just to kind of relieve some of the eye strain and um, stress on their system overall. So that's kind of a little bit of an overview there. I don't want to jump too deep into it, but if you just kind of think of it as, you know, people that are, are nearsighted need glasses to see things far away. People that are farsighted could use some glasses for things up close generally, because that takes a little bit of the strain off there. Um, and that's why reading glasses are pretty helpful for people that are farsighted but it just depends on kind of the overall strength of your prescription that is measured inside the office as well. Um, so don't be fooled by the whole like misnomer of being farsighted, meaning that you can see things far away perfectly. The eyes are still working pretty hard to be able to kind of keep that vision clear and everything throughout the day. And that is something people will notice over time as well. 
Um, but yeah, hopefully that's uh, been a good informative kind of part there. We're just going to kind of go through different types of information each week and stuff. And, you know, like I mentioned on the half episode previously, no like diagnosing conditions and things like that. So people can feel free to write in if they have questions about things that I've talked about or if they just have questions about specific things to do with the eyes in general. Um, as always, I know people are coming here for video game type things. So we're going to jump into that next up. But if you do want to, you know, tell people to kind of have a listen and stuff for things that are related to the eyes, if they've maybe got questions or if they think, or if you think that they could ask a question that I could then address, that might be something that I could do as well. Um, again, the email is brosandconsoles at gmail.com, but no diagnosing without an eye exam. That's, that's the rules guys. (laughs) Um, now moving into kind of some more of the updates and things to go do with video games, because this is officially a video game podcast. I just happen to also be an eye doctor as well. Um, it's got a, a couple updates for games that are actually going to be coming to PS5 that had PS4, um, releases previously. The first one there, which is kind of a, more of a surprising one that I saw recently is called the sinking city. Now this one released, oh boy either anywhere between one to three years ago. Sorry, I didn't do the research on this ahead of time, but somewhere over the past, and that's because, yeah, we're in 2021 now, and that throws off my whole, like, year calendar. I want to say it was either 2018 or 2019. I don't think it was 2020. Yeah, I believe 2019 is when it came out. Um, But The Sinking City came out and is kind of this third-person... I guess you almost kind of say like Lovecraftian horror-esque adventure kind of thing going on there. Uh, I think it's also got some third-person like shooter elements and things as well. Um, I have the game in my backlog, just have not tried it out, but it's coming to PS5 now apparently, and it's actually coming out tomorrow, the 19th of February, (laughs) so that's kind of a a weird shadow drop. Apparently from what I was reading, there was some weird um, issues going on in the back end in terms of kind of like ownership of the game and whatnot. Apparently this even caused the game to be like delisted from, I guess the the PlayStation Network for like purchase and stuff digitally for a while and eventually came back. So maybe that's why I missed it because it you know left and came back and I just kind of didn't catch it in the regular news cycles. But um, that's the thing that's coming to PS5 um, starting tomorrow officially. Uh, I believe it's going to have kind of all the up enhancements that a lot of kind of ps5 games have been getting things like um, 4k 60 fps all these different things there and we'll kind of see what what happens to that one there um, i'm not entirely expecting it to be you know a huge hit because it was kind of more of a i'd probably call it maybe like a cult classic when it did come maybe not classic is the right word more of a cult um, fan game kind of thing when it did come out. And even that's not the, not a great description. Cult fan game? No, that that's, makes it sound like cults are fond of this game. <laughs> but I don't have a great way to describe it, but I think a, a, you know, a fairly small in relation to kind of the overall number of PS4 systems out in the wild, um, fairly small number of people probably have it and played it and enjoyed it. But yeah, if it's coming to PS5 and this is something that you're interested in or you're interested in Lovecraftian horror kind of vibes and you wanted to check it out, now's the time if you've got a PS5. Um, Granted, there are, you know, few PS5s out in the wild compared to PS4s, so you may be able to kind of get it on the PS4 as well to try it out there. Maybe it'll be a little bit cheaper. Maybe it'll be on sale there. But 
Unfortunately, for people who do own the PS4 version, there is no free upgrade from the PS5, or sorry, to the PS5. So that's kind of an unfortunate type of thing. You don't see that a whole lot where you don't get the, or at least recently when we've gotten, been getting a lot of kind of newer games coming out that are essentially like um, remasters of games that came out on the PS4 that, you know, we've been, we've been getting a lot of kind of like free upgrades paths and whatnot. And unfortunately this one's not on that um, route. So a little unfortunate there. But one other game that is coming to PS5 in May, apparently, of this year is a game called Yonder the Cloudcatcher Chronicles. That one is getting an enhanced edition. Um, I think it's it's also mentioned things like 4K, 60 FPS, and I think um, some dual sense sensibilities as well. But I don't know entirely what those are because I don't think they've been elaborated. And I believe it's similar with um, The Sinking City as well that... I mentioned that the DualSense is going to be used in some way, or at least the new features of the DualSense, but kind of to, to what extent that's going to be used and everything, we'll have to wait and find out. Um, no no official like date in May, but kind of in that general ball, ballpark is when we'll be, we'll be expecting it. I think they mentioned either $29.99 or $39.99, depending on the version you get. And I'm not sure entirely what the different versions are going to include, just because it's kind of still a little ways out there. Um, yeah, I think that's what I've got for, for updates this week. If there is one other thing... Oh, there we go. Okay, so this is kind of... I didn't have this written down, but this one came to my attention actually earlier this week because a while back there was an issue where uh, Minecraft story mode was changing hands. Um, something was going on in the back end where obviously Telltale Games had you know shut down and everything and certain like IP that they had in their catalog and stuff was now going to just kind of go out to different sources, I guess, or things. I'm not sure that's the best description there, but basically Minecraft story mode was one of the unlucky ones that ended up becoming a, I guess like a, in a getting in, getting themselves into a weird place where the games previously were available on the PlayStation network and past a certain point, I think last year, the games were going to be no longer available to be like purchased or like even downloaded by people that had the games themselves. Um, I think that's kind of what was coming with the whole like delisting from the Sony store. Um, I think it's, it's available on Netflix, which is a weird thing where you can actually watch the Minecraft um, story mode seasons kind of just played out as regular like season, like episodes of a season kind of thing. Which is interesting, but you know, not exactly how I want to experience the game. Um, the both both season one and season two of the Minecraft story mode um, franchise, I guess you could call it, um, was very interesting and, and enjoyable for me. But I was kind of bummed out when I heard that they were going to be taking both of them down from the Sony store for even like future downloads. I tried to download both of them um, in their entirety back then when when we were given the timeline and everything to do so. But for some reason in season one, episode three had already been taken down. And so I wasn't even able to finish the downloading of all the different episodes there. I think I had one and two and then four through eight from season one, but three was just missing and I, there was no way to correct it. I think I tried to tweet at the developers at that time and just got no response or anything, which is, you know, if, if developers are getting a lot of tweets on a regular basis, like there, it's hard to shuffle through all that stuff. But, you know, without a kind of quick fix and stuff there, it was just kind of, I just kind of, 
you know, ascribe myself to just having lost it and never being able to do it again. I think even to the point that I bought the disc that had the entire season on it so that I could play the disc whenever I wanted to. But I managed to get season two on there. And bringing this back around to kind of uh, why it's an update here is that for some reason, and I don't entirely know why, because maybe this is an unintended consequence of kind of downloading PS4 games on the PS5. But for some reason, when I went in and was kind of looking through things in my um, my download list recently, I saw that Minecraft Story Mode was something that I could actually download on the PS5, which I thought was strange at first. And when I actually went to the you know the the product page and everything through the PlayStation Store on my PS5, I realized that it was possible to download everything on there. And for whatever reason, it's available at the moment. So if people are, you know excited about this kind of thing now i don't think you can buy it i think it's because i already owned it and everything but if people are you know like they they missed the the timeline the deadline to be able to download those things in the past on the ps4 and have a ps5 for whatever reason right now it is possible to go and download that stuff now maybe at a later date they'll realize that this was a mistake and you know fix it and whatnot but currently i just downloaded season one and season two on my ps5 and I think total, I think total size-wise, um, both games together only take up about, I think, like 20 gigabytes on the extended hard drive that I have, which I think is a pretty good, pretty good deal in terms of kind of like holding on to it and you know worrying about being able to play it later. Obviously, I've gotten the platinums for both games and all the trophies from the DLC from season one, so I'm not worried about, you know, I'm not worried about the sense of like being able to finish the game and platinum it and whatnot. But just having it there for people to experience later on, I think is something that is important to me because of the special place in, in my memories that both of those um, seasons had. So just wanted to let people know that it's available on there if you have a PS5 and you have previously purchased the games. So jump on that um, while it's available. I don't know how long it'll be available for or if it's just like a weird um, glitch in the system right now, but pretty cool to see at least. And that's that's been a nice thing. Now, going into the news that we had, um, this, I was going to say this this past week, but it was really only yesterday, um, the 17th of February, we had a Nintendo Direct that occurred, um, the first one of this year, and I think the first, like, you know, full-scale Nintendo Direct that we've had in quite a while um, in recent memory. Um, we've been getting a lot of kind of like indie worlds and more like short focus directs rather than kind of like the broad spectrum Nintendo Direct that we had, you know, gotten in the past. And it was a nice kind of return to form in theory, I guess I should say. <laughs> um, people who want to go and catch that, go ahead and check it out on like YouTube and everything. They've got, I think, about 50 minutes or so of the entire video there. And, you know, there's a there's a smattering of a lot of different titles in there, a total of 31 games or, you know, game related announcements that I wrote down. And we'll kind of just run through some things that I thought were exciting in there. Um, I think one of the ones that I because I, I went and marked out some things right and marked out ones that I thought is is cool or sorry, thought are cool and ones that I thought that was interest that were interesting, but not necessarily going to pick up like right away or anything there. Um, and some new ideas that I think could be interesting depending on how it's kind of marketed and received and whatnot, but we'll have to kind of wait and see once the game actually comes out. Um, so I'll kind of mention the ones that I thought were, you know, worth mentioning. And some of the ones that I'm not going to mention are either things like ports 
or even things like new Smash characters. Um, I'll let people go and experience the new Smash character announcement for themselves. I thought it was not too bad, but I think some Smash fans will probably be disappointed because now that we know that you know Nintendo's been getting so many different characters from different places, it seems I think some people may be upset that it's not you know a more varied selection for a Smash character maybe. But, you know, to each their own. It's, it's okay. Um, so the first one that I was um, tentatively excited about was the announcement of Samurai Warriors 5. Um, that one is coming out sometime this summer. And it's said that it was coming out to Nintendo Switch, obviously, because this is a Nintendo Direct. But apparently it is also coming to the PS4, which I think is probably where I'll be playing it. Um, one of the things I noticed from the Direct was that it didn't look great at times. Um, at, at times, in fact, it kind of looked like straight up bad. Um, and I don't think it was the video quality from what I was watching. It just seems like if it's grabbing, if they're grabbing gameplay from the Switch directly, the Switch is not, you know, the powerhouse of a console that the Xbox Series X or the um, PS5 are in general. So I'm not expecting that level of, you know, like finesse and everything in terms of like gameplay and whatnot. But seeing the the games you know presumably being pay, being played on the nintendo switch just kind of wasn't great in general um and samurai warriors 5 because it has a kind of more like stylized um, cartoon art style it didn't look quite as bad as some of the other things um like i think one of the ones in there that you know i'm i, I i'm tentatively uh, Blah, bad words. I'm tentatively excited about is No More Heroes 3, which is coming out on August 27th. But the overall kind of look of that game in the trailer didn't feel great. Like the the cutscenes and things, you know, I think are looking more exciting than the actual moment to moments like gameplay. And it's just because, you know, the resolution and stuff like that doesn't seem up to par when it comes to kind of like more current console generation stuff. But yeah, going back to the beginning there, Samurai Warriors 5 looks exciting. Legend of Mana is coming out with a remaster on June 24th, which is cool. Uh, Monster Hunter Rise is going to be coming on March 26th, which we, I believe, already had the release date for. But this is kind of one of those one of those times where, you know, I would be excited to play another Monster Hunter game, but kind of the graphical seemingly like the graphical downgrade that it's gotten for this new game coming to the switch is kind of a bit it's got me a little bit like lukewarm on the entire thing honestly i'm just kind of in my memory i think of monster hunter world which you know was a really fantastic looking game at the time and going from this to monster hunter rise it seems like it's kind of gone backwards a little bit which is unfortunate but you know it's probably just because of it being a i believe it's going to be just a nintendo switch um exclusive type of game as well so that might be part of the reason there um they also announced that mario golf super rush is going to be coming on june 25th which i think was one of the more exciting things of the the conference in general um then i already mentioned no more heroes 3 coming out on october sorry august 27th um a game called neon white which is a new it seems like kind of like a more indie related project that haven't heard anything about previously and have never kind of seen trailers for i think this is more of like an announcement trailer for them but um, neon white is going to be coming apparently in the winter of this year and it looked interesting like i i was having kind of like a mix of emotions there because i'm watching the trailer and everything 
and the the premise sounds cool like you're basically um demon hunters in heaven for some reason like for some reason there's demons in heaven and now you're like hunting them and stuff all the characters that you are meeting in there have these kind of like demonic looking masks on and stuff but they're dressed all in white and have these like cool weapons and things and the thing i was surprised most by was that this struck me as a game that you know is going to be a at home in a kind of like third person action oriented kind of feel and surprisingly it was actually a first person um, action game which I wasn't expecting at all and that's kind of the part that had me a little bit like ooh, I don't know quite how I feel about this or quite if I if I'm like really enraptured by it or not and I'm still not entirely sure like honestly this is one of the ones that I'm kind of like tentatively excited for again but yeah, we'll have to wait and see. It's got an interesting kind of card system in there as well, where you're kind of moving throughout the world using your, um, I think your main character has a katana, basically, and moving throughout the world and picking up these cards, and the cards have a certain number of uses that you can, you know, use up, and then the card is, is basically like incinerated, um, right, on your, your I guess, uh, character screen kind of thing. And kind of watching them move throughout the world and stuff, like making sure that you're using your cards abilities as well as kind of picking up new ones along the way seemed like kind of a cool aspect. And it seemed like something that's um, maybe maybe going to kind of be more akin to something like Ghost Runner, where you're kind of really trying to move throughout the levels and figure out the best approach utilizing the cards and pickups along the way. So that might be kind of something that's, you know, it would take some hands-on time to kind of really get my head wrapped around, but it seemed like it could be cool at least, so I thought I'd shut that one out. Um, there was another funny kind of cute one called Metopia, which is coming on May 21st. Um, that one is kind of using the, like, Miis that you could, you know, they, I, I feel like they started to have it when back when the Wii first came out and stuff, but I've, now I'm trying to think, because I'm, since I'm not the biggest Nintendo, like, um, what's it called? I'm gonna say something like fan over here, but I should I should probably say like um, person who kind of keeps track of like Nintendo history and stuff. I'm not the biggest Nintendo historian, so I don't know exactly when the Miis came about, but I believe it was with the Wii era. And it's kind of you get to create these Miis and things, and then basically kind of put them into this you know kind of lighthearted romp. I think they called it, uh, which is like an RPG type of game, and it seems it seems interesting. It kind of gives me vibes of. Shoot, what's that other game that came out for the Switch? Um, Little Hero Story or Little Story? Little Town Hero? I forget what it's called. I'll look it up and correct myself next week. But um, yeah, it it gave me some kind of like, you know, nostalgic kind of old school Nintendo vibes in a weird way because of the Miis. And I think it might be interesting to check out. Um, I don't know if I said it's coming May 21st, basically, but... The next one, which I think was the biggest part of the conference for me, honestly, was they announced a game which has a working title at the moment. So it's one of these weird things where when they first announced, I'm going to go back a little bit of time. Um, When they first announced um, Octopath Traveler, and I think they called it Project Octopath Traveler, (laughs) when they first announced that in Nintendo Direct a few years ago. At the time, I was just like, this looks amazing. This title is total garbage. Like, what what, what the heck is with this whole Project Octopath Traveler kind of thing? Like, it sounded totally made up and ridiculous. And I think that, has, that, that part of the history about the game kind of faded away in my memory just because the game itself was really awesome, just like how the game looked awesome. And 
they eventually just dropped Project on there and called it Octopath Traveler. So they kept the weird name, but it ended up being really cool as a game overall, and so I think everything has been forgiven there. Um, they announced what they are calling Project Triangle Strategy, which I think is even worse somehow than the working title of Project Octopath Traveler. I swear, guys, if Nintendo comes out with this game, because right now they said that they're planning on launching in 2022, right? So we've got another year. Um, and nice thing is that they have a demo available on the store, which came out um, yesterday. So I played through I think a good chunk of the demo this morning and got to a point where I basically, um, I think, lost a battle. And I was just like, OK, cool. I've, I've experienced a bunch. There's some really cool like story and intrigue kind of going on inside here. And I like some of the game mechanics, but I don't want to spoil a whole lot of it for myself, which I think is kind of also how I felt about um, Octopath Traveler when it had its demo release. But yeah, so the demos available. The if Nintendo goes and names this game Triangle Strategy, I'm gonna be just like floored. Like I don't I don't understand who over at Nintendo is making these decisions. And maybe I'm putting the, the onus on Nintendo a little bit too much. I don't understand who over at Square Enix, because both of these games came from Square Enix, is making the decisions for these names, guys. Like the the game itself is supposed to be kind of based on the trailer. It's supposed to be focused around what they call the Salt Iron War, which in its in its own right, Salt Iron War is a pretty cool name already. It comes from I think the idea that salt and iron are kind of like two of the main um, commodities in the world's like resources and stuff. And so you know the war being fought over those two things, kind of they just merge the name together. And I'm like, yeah, Salt Iron, that's a pretty cool name. It gives me a little bit of Game of Thrones vibes, I guess, as well. Kind of uh, maybe because it's Saltborn or whatever. But or no, wait, is that is that the right thing? Yeah, I think that's it. Ironborn. Maybe it's Ironborn from the Iron Isles. Man, it's been a long time since I've seen any Game of Thrones stuff. Um, Saltborn actually may be a thing from Salt and Sanctuary. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just talking to myself here now. <laughs> but um, yeah, the idea of a salt iron war, in my head, I'm like, okay, guys, name this like salt iron tactics or something like that. That has a nice ring to it. But triangle strategy, I don't I don't understand. Like, come on, guys. I, I know that the, the idea around this, similar to the, so I mean, Octopath Traveler at the time sounded ridiculous. But, you know, in a weird sense, it kind of it kind of made sense just because there were eight characters you could choose from. You could basically go in any order that you wanted to collect all of them. And I'm not even sure if you had to collect all of them or not, but um, you could go in any order to co go collect them. Right. And then basically they would join your party. And now you have eight heroes, eight paths, um, so to speak, Octopath, and they're all travelers. Right. But. Man, the, the idea behind Project Triangle Strategy, which I hate calling it right now, it just sounds ridiculous, um, is that there are kind of three three main, I guess, like um, regions, three main kingdoms kind of in, in the game world. And there's kind of three main, I guess, like paths that you can kind of take in terms of kind of leaning more towards one trait that's kind of assigned to each of the kingdoms. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was. I think there's like... Um, Utility, I think, is one of them. I think um, morality is the other one. And shoot, what's the last one? Uh, utility, morality. 
and something else. I'm going to have to add that in next week as a correction. But um, there's kind of these three main kind of like um, things that you can kind of align yourself with. And some of the cool stuff that they talked about in the trailer and whatnot is that as you kind of align yourself with these different um, traits, the people that you meet throughout the game will be like either more likely or less likely to join your party. And this is kind of one of the main reasons I was getting really excited about this. Um, not just because, you know, it's it's from Square Enix and it's kind of that same, it's within that, I think what they call the 2D HD series. It's within that same kind of vein and, and look and feel. But this is also a tactics game. So one, tactics games are are one of my jams, kind of. <laughs> if I say so myself, they're kind of one of my things that I like to enjoy a lot. Um, but that's along with kind of parts of the battle system, which now, now that I've gotten to play the demo, remind me you know, somewhat of um, Octopath Traveler. I almost forgot the name. Um, remind me a little bit of Octopath Traveler, but in the trailer itself reminded me more so of a game from my childhood called Hoshigami Ruining Blue Earth. And... The idea that it's kind of a mix of those two types of things in terms of like gameplay mechanics and now kind of like the look and feel of Octopath Traveler is getting me really excited to, to see what this turns out to be in 2022. So that's kind of, it's it's far out at this point, right? We're in the beginning of 2021 and now it's like probably a year plus before we see that game. But all I ask Square Enix is that you change the name and don't let it be called Triangle Strategy, please. <laughs> like, come on. Come on, Square. Don't do this to us. Um, but yeah, that one is, I think that's the one I got the most excited about overall for the conference. Um, the only other ones that I put on here in highlights and whatnot was that we got a thing called Knockout City, which is coming May 21st. Um, I guess the same day as Miitopia, apparently. Um, this one is kind of an interesting, it looks kind of like it's going to be kind of an online multiplayer game I think you play in teams of three, and it's like a interesting dodgeball type of game, which, you know, Nintendo does a lot of interesting, weird things, and I think this seems like right up their alley, but it seems, you know, fun, at least, watching kind of the gameplay and stuff. Um, there was also a thing called World's End Club, which is from the, I think, some of the creators of the Rampa series, which just seemed pretty cool. I was a little bit surprised that it kind of veered away from because it starts off very, you know, reminiscent of the Duncan Rampa series, where there's a bunch of characters, they all look very 2D in anime, and they're kind of trapped in this, you know, evil game by some kind of weird like creature or something, right? And then all of a sudden the one of the characters is like, Oh, the game's been cancelled, and they they go out back into the regular world, and apparently in the time that they were trapped and stuff the regular world has just been like overrun with monsters and things. And so kind of on their way back to um, Tokyo, I believe they are trying to kind of like, you know, make it through these, these crazy like boss monsters and stuff along the way. And I think there are also kind of like story choices where you're working more with some people in the group than other people. And maybe like factions are kind of forming and stuff. It seems interesting though. And I think that's coming out on May 28th. So just a week after Miitopia and knockout city over there. <laughs> Um, the last couple ones, um, Saga Frontier Remastered is coming on April 15th. I have a few of the Saga games and only recently realized that, uh, what was the game? Final Fantasy, so the Final Fantasy Legends series that came out on Game Boy Advance when I was a kid and stuff. Those games apparently were all part of the Saga series, which I didn't realize until I think like last year basically. 
Um, so apparently Saga Frontier Remastered is coming out um, in another couple months now. And I have a few other Saga games that I think I'm going to try and go into to see if I kind of get hooked and stuff to see if I'm excited about playing this eventually. But the last one on here that I think because this year uh, and actually specifically in three days, right? Three days marks the 35th anniversary of the Legend of Zelda series. And, you know, I think a lot of people were expecting something big for Zelda being announced in this direct, especially because, you know, it came out four days before the anniversary, right? Um, They had a pretty big anniversary year for, or a decently big anniversary year for Mario last year when it was his 35th anniversary. And so I think people were assuming that because, you know, Nintendo's bread and butter is Mario games and Zelda games, um, they assumed that we were going to get something big for this Direct being so close to the anniversary and all that. What we got instead, what I think was, I think, at least like, you know, in 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 my opinion, you know, it was kind of, it is what it is. Like, I, I didn't, I expected more and got this announcement and, you know, I was disappointed to a degree, but also it's a game that I never got to play. And so maybe I'll end up going and playing it now. Um, but we got the announcement for the Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD that is coming on July 16th. Um, I was hoping, like, I think a lot of people were hoping for something related to the Ocarina of Time, um, or even kind of similar to last year when we got the Super Mario 3D All-Stars collection, where it had, was it, Super Mario 64, Mario Sunshine, and Mario Galaxy, and kind of put all those three into a remastered package. I think a lot of people were hoping, myself included, we were going to get some kind of remastered package for some of these old Zelda games. I think ones that I would personally want to see in there would be um, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, and uh, The Wind Waker, but... You know, we've we've gotten we've we've had some remasters of these things put on other Nintendo platforms. Um, I think Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask were both put on 3DS eventually as remasters, and we got the Wind Waker HD remaster on I think Wii U, I believe. But you know, for for whatever reason, they decided to choose Skyward Sword HD was the one that's coming in um, in the middle of this year. So. We'll have to wait and see if they announce anything else because I imagine, you know, people that are keeping track of like responses and stuff from the conference overall have got to be seeing that a lot of, you know, Zelda fans and Nintendo fans are pretty upset about this, I think. <laughs> and I think people have, you know, an, a, a right to be upset about these types of things. But, you know, we'll just kind of have to wait and see what ends up happening with that. Um, and I, it's not something I'm excited for. It's just something to mention that, you know, this came right before the last, like one more thing of the conference and stuff. And the one more thing that they chose to end the conference with was an announcement for Splatoon three, um, coming in 2022. The trailer itself was really bad. Like I didn't quite understand what they were thinking in terms of using the trailer that they used. It's, it made it seem in the beginning of the trailer that it was going to be more of kind of a single player story type of thing. They almost kind of made it it's it reminded me a little bit as well of kind of like the character creation in monster hunter in a weird way just because like you made your character and then you made your um what's it called the palico your your cat companion or whatever in monster hunter world um where it's like you in splatoon 3's trailer you made your character and it's a pretty basic character creation thing 
Um, and then you customize your, what they call little buddy or whatever. <laughs> it's this gross looking fish blobby thing that's kind of bouncing around next to you. And, you know, you did that stuff and then it just showed this squid girl just kind of making her way through the desert, getting on a train, ending up in, you know, that kind of whatever Splatoon Inc. city or whatnot. I don't know. I don't know what they call it. I'm not a Splatoon fan. But um, yeah, they got there and then all of a sudden it was just kind of showing the battle arena for like the online gameplay and stuff. And, you know, it just Splatoon 3. So disappointing to say the least uh, as a way to end the conference and whatnot um i yeah i don't really know what kind of nintendo was thinking in terms of kind of how they ended the conference and all that stuff and kind of the order of announcements that they chose but maybe they were hoping that because you know the um i think i think one of the lead project designers for the zelda series maybe even like in general creators and stuff but uh, I forget his name right now. He came on wearing a Zelda shirt and stuff, right? And one of the first things he put out there was like, hey, like, I know, like, you seeing me is probably invoking excitement for Breath of the Wild 2 or like the Breath of the Wild um, sequel and whatnot. But I want to let you know that we don't have anything to announce for it right now. And we're sorry about that. Please wait until later in the year for more news on Breath of the Wild 2, which immediately was like, a, oh, that's a buzzkill towards the end of this conference and stuff. Um, and then they go and show what I think most people would would consider the worst of the, you know, Zelda series in general kind of thing. What's <laughs> um, the worst of the 3D Zelda series? So they go and end. They go and have that, and then end with Splatoon three. And you know, it just kind of took the wind out of the sails for the entire thing. It felt like so weird kind of choice of events there. But you know, Nintendo does what they think is right, I guess, at the time. So we'll have to see. But yeah, I mean, if I were to say anything at all from the the conference there overall, it would just kind of be like Nintendo. Where is where are these remasters for the Zelda series that you know we got a similar type of thing for the Mario series last year? Where's the remaster for some of these you know, super beloved Zelda games? Why are you going and digging into the pot of like the worst 3D Zelda game in? I think majority of people's minds and stuff. I'm not going to say everybody's minds because I know there are probably some people who really loved Skyward Sword and thought it probably didn't deserve to get as much um, backlash and stuff as it did as far as Zelda games go. But, you know, like why why dig into this one specifically? Maybe just because the Wii U was kind of a dying console and never really got, or games on it never really got the attention that they probably deserved. Uh, things like, which one, what was that? Super Mario Brothers, was it Super Mario Brothers Wii U? I forget what it was. It's the, the, the Wii U, you know, 2D, 3D game that came out. And then, you know, Wii U, I think only sold uh, less than like 15 million units, I think total, uh, which is pretty crazy small over like a system's life, um, life cycle. And, the fact that, you know, it reached so few people and stuff, I think they started to bring a lot of Wii U games over to the Switch eventually. And, you know, maybe that's one of the reasons why they wanted to bring Skyward Sword over so that it would have possibly a better life on the Switch. But interesting, interesting choice. And where's where's our proper, like, <laughs> where's our proper ode to the 35th anniversary of Zelda, Nintendo? Please, get us something, something else that we can kind of look forward to over here because... Ah, it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel right for one of your biggest like franchises and stuff. Um, but all that griping aside, let me just uh, real quickly kind of go over some of my recent trophy highlights for this week because I'm not going to get into all the different games we've been playing. 
Um, so got a couple platinums, got one for a game called The Language of Love, which is a kind of anime visual novel type of game that was, um, yes, published by Rodalika Games, and I think it's a pretty fast platinum if you just kind of go through like the, it's basically one of the games that you can platinum if you just play through the entire thing. You don't have to worry about making wrong choices or multiple endings, things like that, but it's basically you just kind of, if you want a book to read or something, right, and you want pictures on the screen, feel free to go and get this game. I think it's on sale right now too. It's like 35% off or something. But if you want to get the Platinum fast as well, that option is also available. I think you can get it in like three minutes or less by putting on, I think, what is it, like fast forward and skipping all text options and just like maximum um, text speed and whatnot. And it's a pretty fast thing there to set up. But um, I also got the Platinum for Swordbreaker the Game, which I think is another pretty cool thing. This one is more of a choose-your-own-adventure type of game where you basically kind of similar to choose your own adventure books of the past you can kind of you know choose your options based on like text and stuff and then it kind of puts you into the next like scenario and you know unlike in the past where you could maybe right what i used to do is i used to hold my fingers in a bunch of different um, choice pages that i had and if i chose the wrong choice and ended up at like a i'm thinking of like the goosebumps books and stuff if i chose the wrong one and ended up like oh no like this is the end the kind of thing because something bad happened then i would flip back to the most recent choice and choose the opposite one and keep going forward and i realized eventually i had to hold kind of multiple pages like that with my fingers as i was going through because sometimes i would get pushed into a situation where you know like one choice you know leads to a dead end I go back and choose the other choice and it leads me to like one or two more pages, but then it's also a dead end and it's all bad endings. <laughs> so it's um, it's kind of a cool reminiscing thing there to kind of go in and choose this type of um, video game. But that one's a, uh, if you want to do it quickly as well, that one is a fast platinum, I believe too. Um, I think there are guides online to get it within like f- uh, 40 minutes or so. So it's a, it's a fast thing if you want to get it fast. Um, and one that I managed to get this week, uh, I think yesterday, um, uh, it's a video game that I haven't played in years. I think it came out, let me think, I want to say, I think the first time I played it was 2015, maybe. So I think maybe like six years ago when I first played it. Um, the game is Battlefield 4 and it's very old so far. Like it's, it's been a long time since I played Battlefield 4. Luckily there are still people playing it. Because the three trophies that I have on there that are stopping me from getting the platinum for this game are all online multiplayer related. Now, I think for things like Battlefield 1, some of the online, it's tough sometimes to get online on there. So that might be a tougher thing to platinum eventually. But Battlefield 4, um, I was missing the one for reaching rank 25, um, which I'm still missing at the moment. It's a gold trophy, I think. Um, I'm missing the trophy for, I think, delivering the bomb package in five obliteration matches. Um, I don't know if that just means delivering it five times or, you know, doing it all three times in five matches. I'll have to kind of look more into that because I think sometimes you can do it multiple times in a match and I'll have to figure that out. But I'm still missing that one. The other one, though, was um, getting a total, I think, of 45 kills with the... Was that um, M1911 um, handgun? Which I think I don't know. In in my opinion, it's it's 
similar to like a Desert Eagle kind of thing. I'm not a gun enthusiast, so don't take my word for that. But um, that's one I, I had, you know, that I hadn't gotten as well. And these three are the ones keeping me from the Platinum. So it's something I've wanted to do for a long time, but didn't know when I was going to do it. I think recently, though, it the game was on sale. So I figured I'd pick it up and play it a little bit on the PS5. And I worked my way through yesterday to get the M1911 unlocked, and I think I earned maybe like three three levels or so in the process, three and a half levels. Um, so I'm, I think, level 14 now, and I have need like 11 more levels to get that 11, or to get that level 25 trophy, but did manage to unlock the pistol finally, and then I think several games later I had the trophy. So that was a exciting kind of milestone for for old games that i haven't played in a long time i've also been back on the neo one grind to kind of get that platinum out of the way as well um i say out of the way and it's not kind of in a negative way there it is just because i have one trophy there that is stopping me from getting the platinum i did manage to finish through the dlc this past week so that's been a really cool thing it's kind of made me realize that i think neo is um if not one of my favorite games it may be my favorite game um at the moment, uh, top of my like top 10 list kind of thing. And I think after being on the grind for at least like several days and stuff, I'm, I, I think originally I was thinking about possibly playing through Neo one, um, remastered on the PS five and just kind of doing it from scratch kind of thing. After all the time I put into the DLC and stuff, I may be rethinking that st- that's, um, stance a little bit just because it takes a lot of time to kind of get through. I think at the moment I'm like 150 hours plus into the entire playthrough and that's not with without even kind of going far into any kind of the um, higher difficulty levels. This is just kind of the base difficulty level and I don't know if I have the time to put in another, you know, 150 plus hours to, <laughs> to Platinum Neo 1 Remastered on the PS5. So I may, once I finish getting on the PS4, I think there is a bit of time that you still play the game on PS5 in order to get um, the Platinum itself. I think there are some trophies that don't unlock by transferring over your cross-save data. So I may end up transferring it over and then playing it to kind of see if it looks much different on the PS5 versus the PS4, because on the PS4 it already runs really great. I think there's only been a few times where I've seen random like hitches or something, and I'm not sure if it's because I'm playing it backwards compatible or if it's just because, you know, the game, you know, has has some upgrades that could be, you know, done and it would be noticeable there. But yeah, I think I'm, I'm probably going to transfer over the Platinum once I, or all the trophies I can once I have the Platinum unlocked on PS4. And then I think there are still some DLC trophies that will leave me able to play the PS5 version later on as well. So it's been, it's been a fun ride going through the entire thing. And I am so close to the neo one platinum i can almost taste it i think i have a few more requests to make at the blacksmith in that game and then i'll have it so hopefully in i don't know by the next episode or maybe even like two or three episodes from now i will have finished that grind and we'll have another satisfying platinum to report back um but until then i hope you guys enjoyed this new episode of the bros and consoles podcast in kind of the evolved form i guess and whatnot i don't know if i have a official name to call it and stuff and apparently my tongue has just been super tongue-tied and twisted this whole episode because i've noticed a whole bunch of times where i've just been stumbling over words so my apologies there 
But yeah, I mean, this is what happens when I record a longer form episode, I guess. <laughs> I've been so used to kind of recording more like, I don't know, 30, 40 minute chunks. And it's been a while since I've gone for almost an hour here. But yeah, I hope everyone's having a, a good week. I hope you guys have a good rest of your week as well and look forward to next week, Thursday's episode. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free as always to write into brosandconsoles at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Indy Ronin. You can also find me on the PSN at Indy Ronin. Um, I have, now it's a weird thing because every once in a while I'll get weird spam on the um, PlayStation network messaging system kind of thing. Some, like it used to be in the past where I would get messages from, you know, these junk account kind of things where it's just like, you know, they're, they're reaching out to try and get people to click on stuff. And I, I don't know if it installs viruses or whatnot on your PS5 or PS4, but ain't nobody about that life. So basically for those ones, it's easy enough to just like, you know, block the people, move on with your life and all that stuff. In a weird turn of events, I've been getting like friend requests lately um, because I think I turned my messages off so that people who are not friends with me on yeah, I think I turned it off. So people that are not friends with me on the PlayStation Network can't message me. So now I don't get them from random accounts anymore. But I don't know if this is a new wave of like spam bots or whatever being made. But I have been getting friend requests and in close friend requests in a weird way as well from these people I don't know and stuff on there. So if you do want to add me on the PlayStation Network at least put a message in there telling me that, you know, you listen to the podcast and stuff and this is why you're you're showing up here um, so that I know that I'm not just deleting somebody's request and it being an actual like real person and stuff because <laughs> it's happened several times now and now I'm just kind of, I'm wary a little bit of like, oh man, I hope I'm not deleting people's requests and it's actually like they're listening to the podcast and stuff. So if you guys are listening and you want to join me up on some games that I'm playing, maybe you want to play some Battlefield 4 and get together a group so we can bust these trophies out. Uh, maybe you want to play some other games. Maybe if Knockout City ends up coming up to the PlayStation 4, we can play that then. But um, yeah, if you guys want to join me up on there, send me a message if you're sending the friend request that way, and then I'll know what's kind of up there. Because um, usually what I end up doing is I go and check the profile, and if the profi- oh, sorry, if the profile is, I think, trophy level one and no trophies or no games played and stuff, then I know it's spam and I delete it, right? But it's a process, you know? If, if I'm just not getting any messages in there and stuff, I would just like to be able to just delete it. But I want to make sure that I'm doing my due diligence as well. So send me a message and friend request if you want to hit up, hit me up and play some games on there. Uh, I've got a whole bunch of multiplayer stuff and I'm happy to go through any kind of like game and stuff if people are interested. So yeah, that's all for this week. Uh, as always, have a good rest of your week and stay safe and healthy. Until next Thursday, keep it real, keep it safe. And that's a weird outro. I've never done that before. But <laughs> um, peace out, y'all, and cheers. Cheers.